All right, welcome to a lo- another episode of the Locked on Longhorns podcast. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. You can follow me on Twitter at PatSportsGuy. You can follow the show's Twitter, LO underscore Longhorns. And you can follow my co-host with me each and every day, Cammy at Cammy and G. All right, Cammy. so tonight on ESPN... 2005 National Championship is being re-aired. And come out today or recently that Mac Brown says that Vince Young is the best of all time. So my question is, do you agree with that assessment? Well, I think we kind of have to agree with that because, I mean, he was still one of, if not the highest graded recruit coming out of high school. He won his national championship. Um, obviously, he didn't have that successful professional career, but when you um, narrow it down to just his collegiate career, I think he was one of the best of all time. I don't know if he's the best, but he has to be up there. And of course, Mac Brown's going to say that, obviously, because he was his mm-hmm. coach. But um, I think we kind of have to agree with it for now. I mean, now I can agree that he's one of the best. Yes, absolutely. I just don't know if when you're talking best of all time, and I'm not saying this is my argument, but I know people will make this argument. When you have quarterbacks like Tim Tebow mm-hmm. and Matt Leinart, who won multiple national championships, you know, I, I think that they're going to put them over Vince if it's deservedly so or not. I mean, it's, if you're making that conversation, I definitely do agree with Mac Brown that Vince Young should be in that conversation, though just for what he was able to do on the field, what he was able to do, not just throwing the ball, but running the ball and and really bringing a national championship back to Texas for the first time in 35 years. Yeah, I think it's a little biased, but like I mentioned, he has to be considered one of the best of all time in terms of just his collegiate career. Um, I would actually probably put Tim Tebow ahead of him, but I'm a little biased as well. So I just think it was kind of just Mac Brown poking fun and Obviously, he's going to be a little biased about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, that was his college coach. He helped those two help bring a national championship to Texas. Mac Brown almost brought two of them. So I intend to listen to Mac Brown. I mean, he seems to know what he's doing, and he's turning around that North Carolina program. Oh, yeah, he is. That's been exciting to watch. And they were actually, I think, listed in the preseason top 25 and a few of the polls as well. So, obviously, they have high hopes over there. Yeah, and their quarterback was uh, – I think he was, like, either one behind or one ahead of Sam Ellinger in the quarterback rankings that ESPN put out. So, wow, they've got talent over there. you got to pay attention to them. Okay, so, caught wind – Today, ESPN tweeted out a story about Mac Brown on a pregame team meeting. Yes, it was actually the uh, ESPN's college football account on Twitter. And what they did was they tweeted a video of Mac Brown telling an unheard of story um, regarding the team meeting leading up to the 2006 Rose Bowl game. Um, his primary goal, I guess, summarize the, uh, the video for you real quick. His primary goal um, during the speech was to kind of help his players feel loose and confident and remind them to have fun on the field and things like that. Because Mac Brown mentioned he went into the team meeting at the hotel shortly before uh, busting over to the game. And he noticed that uh, they were all just uptight and a little too serious. So 
Mac Brown actually joked about watching the Jerry Springer television show. He said he watched three consecutive episodes of the Jerry Springer show right before that team meeting while he had some downtime in the hotel. And so um, he kind of like started off in, in a serious tone and it was kind of like a funny video he was saying and um, all the players were like listening in to see what he had to say. And he just dropped the Jerry Springer bomb and how the players shouldn't never take their wife or girlfriend on the show and things like that. So he just made them bust out laughing and then, um, they obviously went on to win the national championship game. So he kind of just told that little story about the pregame meeting, I guess, per se, at the hotel and the Jerry Springer show. So that was that was unusual. Yeah, I think you have to make sure that your guys are loose, you know, that they're, you know, not taking themselves too serious because whenever a team can go onto the field with, you know, and, and feel like they have nothing to lose, I think that's when, you know, you play at your best. You might give it a little more because you have nothing to lose. So I think right. that's a it's a, a good story of, of loosening them up. You know, that's a funny story because I had never heard that story. I'm sure you had never heard that story. I didn't, so, and I was actually surprised. I was like, what is Mike Brown doing watching Jerry Springer? I, uh, I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, late at night, you leave the TV on and you, you wake up and it's on. And you're like, oh, let me watch this train wreck for a minute. Yeah, I can see like maybe watching an episode or half an episode or something like that. But he watched three in a row right before that game. So that was kind of funny to me. Uh, well, whatever, you know, whatever works for you. I mean, uh, athletes have pregame rituals. Maybe that's that was Mac Brown's pregame ritual. I'm going to watch three episodes of Jerry Springer before I coach this football game. Well, hey, it worked. So I can't hate on it. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it definitely did work. All right. So. Speaking of Rose Bowl, was the most watched college football game ever with 35.6 million viewers. So, Cami, what is the number that you were going to put on the re-air? Oh, I was just thinking that when you brought that up. Um, one, I can't believe that's still the most watched college football game ever just because it was kind of a long time ago. But um, I guess we really haven't had any um, – major super exciting number one and number two ranked teams going head to head in a while but uh, i don't know i <laughs> i think the uh lsu clemson game was up there yeah but i don't know it had been alabama for a while and i don't think they have near or at that time have near as many viewers as texas and things like that but i don't I haven't been too excited about really any of the national championships recently, but that's that's a topic for another story. Um, um, I will there, say that I will. I'm going to venture a guess here that the reason why there were so many viewers is because it involved Texas, and Texas is such a nationally followed uh, program. And mm -hmm. Texas is, if you look at all of the numbers, Texas produces the most revenue year in and year out. Despite yeah, despite the fact that they don't win, yeah, and so it was a mix of that plus, um, obviously, everyone probably at that point was going for the underdog just so USC didn't have their third title in a row. So I think it was a mix between Texas, the viewers, everyone wanted the upset, number one and number two ranked team. So it had like the perfect storyline for mm -hmm. the most watched college football game, and I don't know if we'll ever see that many again, but um, who knows. Or maybe people were tuning in to see Will Ferrell on one side and Matthew McConaughey on the other. <laughs> I don't know. But I think there's something to it, the fact that 
you know, I think when Alabama's involved in a national championship game, so many people tune in because they want them to lose. Right, they exactly. Want to see them lose. And then so USC at one time was Alabama. Mm -hmm. Everybody got tired of them winning year in and year out, two national championships, Heisman Trophy winners. And so they're like, okay, we're tired of this. Let's, you know, get somebody else in there. And so I think that whole everybody was, you know, rooting for Texas. They were the underdog, take down the the Giants, so to speak. And right. so, um, and and I, if, yeah, and I think that's really what it was about, and it's probably why a, a huge chunk. But give me your number on how many people are going to watch the re-airing of it. I don't know. That's hard because there's not really much else on, but at the same time. Um, I don't know how many people, I guess, of the population like to watch uh, games over. I don't know if they like to watch re-airs. I don't know if um, just Texas and USC fans might tune in. So I don't know. I think we could get some extra viewers just because nothing else is on at the moment. But if I had to pick a number, I, oh God, I'd maybe pick 7 million. Sure. I'm going 12 to 15 million. Yeah, that, it's going to be interesting. And the reason I say that is there's so many football fans out there that I've talked to recently who have no affiliation to either program, um, not a fan of either team. And we've talked about this game and they're like, I'm going to watch because, you know, that was like one of the best football games, one of the best championships. You know, there was so much drama and, you know, the momentum going back and forth, you know, whether you're talking about uh, the lateral, the, the goal line stand, the two-point conversion, the run on fourth and five, there was a lot going on there. And so I think people will tune in just for the simple fact that, A, there's no sports on, and, B, that was a really good football game. So I think people will tune in. I agree. I mean, I'm going to be tuning in. All righty. We, we shall see how, uh, how it turns out. I can't wait to see the numbers uh, whenever they – produce how many people actually view and we'll, we'll keep you updated on that but coming up next we're going to get into the ncaa is extending the dead period through may 31st and we have some recruiting news for texas all right cammy so the ncaa has come out and announced that they are extending the dead period through may 31st yeah, I think this is somewhat what we expected in a way. I think just within the past week or so that we've been discussing this, we always mention it's a fluid situation. It's probably going to change a dozen other times, if not more. But I think the beginning of June is kind of where people are hoping things um, go a little bit back to normal. I think this is still kind of on track, but... I'm getting a little worried that the football season's going to get postponed, hopefully postponed at that point. I don't want to see it canceled, but I'm starting to get a little worried because obviously the dates get keep pushing further and further back. You know, um, you say June, but if you look at the news that's coming out of the University of Oklahoma, they are spending everything through the end of July. Yeah, they're putting their summer school all online. Um, there can't be any organized activities in person uh, through the summer. So that is very concerning considering they're within the Big 12 and normally all these schools follow each other. But 
Um, I'm hoping, even if that is the case for Texas or the Big 12 or the NCAA as a whole, that they just postpone the football season. I really don't want to see them cancel it because I think it was Brian Davis who posted on Twitter yesterday or the day before about what is the problem with suspending the football season just two months. Like, why can't they just start in October or November or something along the lines of that? And I don't see what the negative aspect of doing that is. Um, I think the only thing that it would really impact would be like the the senior bowl and some of the offseason stuff that they have going on prepping for the NFL draft. But, you know, that's stuff that they can mess with at a later date and time. Uh, I think it'd be a good idea to just not cancel it, like you said, but push it back. At least, you know, give a give a soft deadline and say, we're going to start football on October 1st. Right. Or, you know, whatever. So that you push it back at least a month. Mm-hmm. And then come September 15th, 17th, 21st, somewhere around there, reevaluate it then. If we're still in this social distancing at that point, you push it back even further. I think that, and, and it's just, it's so much now that we need football. We really need football to happen in September. I agree. I think everyone needs it. I mean, just simple fans of football, uh, the players, the coaches, uh, the students at each university, the NCAA, all the TV networks. So it's just like impacts a wide variety of people. So, yeah, if one sport could come back, this is the one. Yeah, it would definitely be the one. Okay, so Julian Simon released his top eight on Twitter. And would you believe that Texas – is in that list. Yay. That's kind of a lengthy list though. It is. It is a lengthy list. And what's interesting about this list is the Longhorns are the only team in the South that are listed. And the only non, the only other team that's not from the West coast that's on this list is Michigan. He also lists Oregon, Washington, Cal, Arizona State, USC, and Stanford. Uh, so Julian Simon is a – he's listed as an athlete for the 2021 class, but he's projected to be a wide receiver. Interesting. And do you think that Texas needs a wide receiver? Um, yeah, for sure. I'd love to see his size if you didn't mention that. But um, obviously we have two very strong kind of slot receivers right now, and um, with the departures of DuVernay and Colin Johnson this year, I think we need a couple um, big, I guess, outside wide receivers coming in. So I think you always need a wide receiver, kind of. So, but that he has obviously a lot of big programs in his top eight. So he's definitely going to have a hard time narrowing that down. Yeah, he's a, he's the number five athlete in the nation, number four player out of the state of Washington. And he is 6'2 and 221 pounds. Oh, so yeah. He's got, he's got some size to him. Yeah. Um, right That's now, right now, his crystal ball prediction through 24-7 is undecided at 100%. So nobody knows who's really got the lead at this point. Uh, being that they're in the top eight would be a good thing. And hopefully a good season, provided that it happens. From right. Texas would only help land Julian Simon. 
I agree. And we were actually just talking about the wide receiver room the other day and whether we trust them right now or not. And we were kind of iffy on that subject. So I think any uh, top wide receiver recruit like that would be a big get for Herman at the moment. Yes. And Cammie, what was the other offer that we were seeing from the University of Texas recently? Yeah, it was actually Kelvin Gilliam. He's um, out of Virginia. And obviously Herman's made it clear that um, he wants to strengthen the defensive line. And so uh, like we saw five-star defensive end Alfred Collins at the 2020 class, um, he was one of the highest rated recruits in the Herman era, actually. And then we have five-star defensive end Jatavian Sanders already committed to the Longhorns out of the 2021 class. But they also just recently decided to go after uh, Kelvin Gilliam. Like I mentioned, he's from Highland Springs, Virginia. They offered him on Tuesday night, but they're joining a list of respectable programs such as Michigan, Oklahoma, Penn State. He has over a dozen or so offers. Um, he's currently a four-star prospect and the number four overall player in the state of Virginia. Um, 24-7 Sports actually has him as a number 112th prospect in his class. But, I mean, he's 6'2", 250 pounds. Um, he has great hands. He's a smart player with a high motor. Um, obviously, the Longhorns have lacked the ability to get after the quarterback for the past several seasons. So I think adding a third highly rated recruit on the defensive line could improve the unit as a whole drastically, obviously. So that was interesting, I thought. It's kind of a late target for them, but hopefully yeah, they can kind of squeeze on in there. And if uh, I recall correctly, Gilliam is the number five rated weak side defensive end in the country. So definitely a guy that they should be targeting. I agree. Okay, so let's get into this question. The Texas football Twitter account tweeted out yesterday. If you could take the field with the Longhorns for any game, which would it be? I think no question it has to be Oklahoma, Red River rivalry. I know the players just talk about the different uh, vibe and, um, I don't know, atmosphere. And obviously it's a rival. So I think without a doubt that would be mine. And you can honestly pick any Oklahoma game within that Red River rivalry span any year, any time, any place. I think Texas versus Oklahoma would be the one I'd take the field with. Okay, I'm going to be different. If I say any bowl game, do I get the bag of goodies that they get? Like <laughs> but that's easy. Bowl? Everyone wants to play in a bowl game. Pick a well, try and pick a realistic regular season game. Um, hmm. It could be the LSU game. That would be fun. Oh uh, yeah, that would be fun. I mean, especially it's away. Electric. It's gonna be electric. The atmosphere is gonna be nuts. Uh, yeah, I'd probably maybe the LSU game. Yeah, I think that would be a good pick, playing playing if, them away. If Texas still played on Thanksgiving night, I'd say that game. Oh, yeah, that used to be fun. You know, and so, like, if I had to pick any game in history, I'd say the last time that they played A&M. Me too. And it wasn't even that successful of a season for both sides. It was just that big of a heated rivalry, and everyone knew it was the last meeting. And so, yep. yeah, that would have been an awesome ending. And that's the thing, it, the fact that it was the last meeting between the two football programs, although they still play baseball and basketball against each other. Can't play yep. football. All right. Coming up next, we're going to get into how the Texas football coaches are getting creative on social media. All right, Cammie, so the Texas football coaches have been getting creative on Twitter lately. I've noticed offensive coordinator Mike Yursich is sharing film studies. Herb Hand is also sharing videos. So let me ask you, 
Is this something that you like seeing, seeing the, what they're doing on social media? I do. I think they're being creative. I think they're um, trying to interact with both, I guess, current players, uh, past players. It could be future players. I think they're kind of um, educating players, whether that's current players or maybe future recruits or something along those lines. I just like that they're being active. I like that they're trying to interact with people as much as they can. Obviously, there's some strict guidelines going on right now, but um, I like your sharing film study. I know he did that several times. Uh, Hand actually shared a video of how to make wings, which I thought was kind of funny. And he also shared a video about pass protection drills and some of his favorites on that. And so um, I don't know. I think they're being creative. And I think um, I did see Texas strength coach Yancey McKnight. He shared an at-home workout on Twitter um, I know a lot of people could benefit from that. So I think it's a positive thing that they're being active on social media, I would say, because obviously that's where all the players and recruits spend most of their time, especially when they're locked inside. So I think they're secretly recruiting without recruiting. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> I, I mean, they're, they're putting this out there. And so these athletes can see it and like, oh, this is the things that they like to do. You know, whether you're a wide receiver, a quarterback, offensive line, like, oh, I'd like to learn from them or I'd like to participate in that. You know, I think that that it is exactly what I said. I, I think they're secretly recruiting without without breaking any guidelines. Yeah, I think they're just bending the rules a little. I mean, they're allowed to post on their social media accounts. And so hopefully it attracts uh, the players they're going after. But I guess we'll see. I think they're being more active on Twitter than probably any other programs coaches are or that I've seen recently. I haven't seen much going around with other coaches in terms of those types of videos, like sharing film study or pass protection drills or things like that. So um, I like what they're doing. Yeah, it's also a way to like if a high school player is you know interested in going to their university or if they just see it and they, they want to get better, then they could use the use the videos as a way to get better, you know, whether you're taking the pass protection drills or whatever and, and take applying what you learned on that video uh, onto the football field as a, as a high school student, I think it's beneficial. Um, so let's talk about Yancey McKnight's at-home workout. What exactly was he showing? Um, just in fairly simple at-home workouts for, I guess, probably anyone to do at this point. And I've actually seen that spread around quite a bit on social media, but that brings me back to um, what Herman was kind of not pleased about how they can't send workout equipment to their players. And so I know they can send only like licensed apparel and stretching bands and things like that, but no like weights or anything like that. So that's kind of, I guess, been along the lines of bending the rules to him sharing an at-home workout on Twitter, but I think probably most of the current players know what type of workouts they should be doing. I think they could probably get access to some type of workout equipment. So I don't think it's going to hinder like their muscle mass or how in shape they are, anything along those lines. But um, McKnight kind of just joined the trend of people just posting like at home workouts that you could do from your house or just from an empty field or something along those lines. So I don't know. I guess I kind of take it where he's just kind of being active as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what's interesting to me is the Texas coaches staff are now acting like everyday people. And when I say that, they're having to use Zoom to communicate with their coworkers. 
Yeah. And I mean, everyone is using Zoom right now. It's crazy when you talk about like teachers and schooling and people teaching classes from afar. Like um, one of my friends actually runs a dance studio and they're doing all their classes through Zoom. So I think everyone's just kind of adapting to that um, new reality. And uh, Herman mentioned they were doing their first teleconferencing this week. And um, the first one, I believe, was Tuesday, but it looks like they're doing them on a position-by-position basis. So Herman joins in each one, and the one I recently saw on Twitter was I went to say the offensive line room. So Hand was in there, Herman, and then about a dozen or so, the offensive linemen. So I like the way they're being creative and going about it. It's just odd that they're having to do all this uh, through a camera, basically. Yeah, it's a little different, but, you know, it's it's just funny and to me that they're having to use the same routes that we are in everyday life, you know, with, you know, whether it's like me and you, we, we have our conferences or we talk through, you know, the show or you know, what we're going to write about or what's coming up, you know, so it's just, it, you know, it's funny and interesting to me that they're doing the same things that we're, that everybody else is doing. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, it just shows that they're everyday people just like we are. And, um, I guess we all have kind of the same priorities in life when it comes down to it. So I, I like how active they're being. I like how creative they're being, like we've been mentioning. But hopefully it only has to last for about another month and a half. Let's hope that it's less than that. I really do. I'm not sold on it, but I'm hoping. Uh, so, Tammy, so let's get ready to watch some Texas USC Let's go ahead and make a game pick. Who are you taking tonight, Texas versus <laughs> the national championship? Man, I just really have a weird feeling that Vince Young is going to win it with about 20 seconds left in the game. That is a bold prediction, my friend. Well, oh, hopefully that happens. <laughs> I don't know. Do you think they're going to throw in any um, – are they just going to play the replay or the re-air of it from the actual broadcast? Or probably. are they kind of throwing in their own? Okay. No, I would think it's probably just going to be the rebroadcast. Yeah. But it's going to be fun, and I'll be tuning in tonight. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. Tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked On NFL Draft. For Cammy, I'm Patrick, and we will see you tomorrow. Welcome. Your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns.